Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Let's get to our guest for this half hour. It's Julie Beal, Portfolio Manager and Senior Research Analyst at Kane Anderson Rudnick. Julie, you've made the case of late uh, for owning quality. So my question to you is, at this moment, given all the volatility, is quality more important than, say, valuations? Oh, that's a good question. I, I would say yes, generally speaking. And I say that as kind of a long-term investor. You really want to own quality through a cycle. And you want to be thoughtful about valuation when there is as much turbulence and rates as there is right now. So I think in the short term, you really have to be thoughtful about valuations, particularly if you own pricier names. But I think for the long term, you really get paid for owning quality. And you, it's usually a little less stressful in those difficult markets. So, I mean, you look at P uh, and E, which one is more important in your view? Well, I think the thing that we all need to recognize is that the E's that are out there are pretty hard to really hang your hat on. I think the real challenge for us is doing any kind of forecasting. And it's sort of besides the point right now, if you think about forecasts, right, we have pretty much weekly changes in interest rate forecasts. You know, analyst estimates are all over the place. And, you know, you think about most CFOs, they're really struggling to put out any good guidance because it's just a really uncertain economy. So I think it's better to look at backwards looking earnings, look at how your businesses have performed in the last recession and look at where they're trading in their average historical range. I feature the comments of Ken Griffin from Citadel a couple of times this morning because it's it's interesting. He's not he's not one of those who you know maybe many today were buying because they thought that that maybe this drop in yields and a couple of central bank interventions mean the Fed could be a little closer to a pivot. That's not why he's buying. He's buying because he sees resilience in the in the U.S. equity market, in the economy, and in the consumer. Do you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think. We've all been surprised by how resilient the consumer has been. And if you look at the balance sheet of, let's say, the average U.S. consumer, it's pretty good. The thing is, is that the U.S. consumer is spending down pretty aggressively relative to the income they're gaining. And that's that's not even looking at inflation. Right. So if you think if they continue at this rate, they're going to spend down their savings very early into 2023. So I'm not sure that we can just count on the U.S. consumer being as robust as it has been. And I think when you think that the U.S. economy is two thirds consumer and that consumers are really all of us. We talk about consumers like they're this distant group that, you know, we, we don't know anything about, but we're consumers. Right. And when everything is on sale, that causes most business owners and managers to be more cautious. And so it has a ripple effect. Are we seeing any of that, though? Yeah, I think you see it at the initial things you see are just in how reluctant CFOs are to give any kind of guidance. 
They really, even businesses. So, you know, I look at a lot of tech and healthcare companies. These are businesses that have high levels of recurring revenue. And even they are really struggling to get confident about what their growth outlook is. We're seeing some real high flyer businesses, you know, like a UI path that reported recently, you know, being very thoughtful about taking down guidance and, and taking down expectations. And so that's the first part that we all need to do is to digest and bring that E down. So I, I, I know that of late, a lot of people have been sort of throwing shade on the 60-40 portfolio mix, but does it really now live to fight another day when you can get 4% on short-dated U.S. government bonds? It's almost paying you. It's, it's setting you up to take a bet on, on, on equity. Yeah, I, I think it really is making it hard for the case to be made for owning equity in what looks like you know, an increasingly looming recession. So, you know, I, I, my heart goes out to everyone who's trying to decide. And I think what's really going to be interesting is for retail investors who have got so jazzed about investing in the equity markets. And now they're really seeing the other side of that the volatility and how painful that could be. That's making those, you know, pretty high yields look very compelling. And so I wonder if the level of holdings inequities is going to slip. It started to, and I wonder if that will continue to happen. And that has important implications for us as professional managers, right? Because people who own mutual funds are probably going to look at, you know, lightening those positions. And so we need to be prepared with cash. So, you know, I think overall, it's, it's something we all need to kind of keep in mind. But for me as an equity investor, I still think that through a cycle, it is the best place to be. Well, Julie, uh, you know, on top of that, let's uh, look at 60-40. It should be 60 now uh, percent in uh, bonds and 14 equities. I, you know, I mean, I think everyone who makes that case, it makes a lot of sense, but a lot of it depends on your appetite for risk. I mean, that's something that we all learn when we're baby analysts. It has you. And no one really understands what their appetite for risk is until they actually lose a bunch of money. And then it, it can look really quite different. Um, the other thing that's really important is understanding your time horizon. I'm really lucky to be you know, a professional investor with a long time horizon because that allows me the confidence to buy things at a fair price rather than having to wait and hope for a really, really cheap price. And you know, I think that is how you avoid the biggest mistakes is, is waiting for things and missing the boat completely. Let's talk a little bit about China. We have this burgeoning property crisis there. Um, we had the PBOC kind of lecturing the market yesterday, uh, touting its plenty of experience that it says it has in fending off shocks and such. Um, you know, I mean, in the States, the market participants say don't fight the Fed. It's not usually the Fed that says don't fight us. Uh, but is this a message from the PBOC that people should, uh, you know, take to heart? I mean, I think that the, the, the PBOC has a lot more latitude and a lot more power than I think our Fed. So, I, you know, in that way, I, I wouldn't be fighting against them. What's difficult is that they're much more willing to move in different directions quite quickly. You know, I think everyone is frustrated that the Fed waited as long as it did here um, to move. But the advantage of that is, you know, things are, are not happening and not quite as volatile as they are. Um, in China. So that, you know, that's kind of a difference. And I, I think it's an important one that we need to keep in mind. Well, the, the fact that the Fed was late into the game and uh, it was behind the curve, as many have put it, uh, does that mean that they are now more at risk of a policy error and perhaps over-egging it? Yeah, I, I think that part of it is, I think, that's happened within the last two weeks is there is an acceptance 
that this soft landing is possible. I, I just think there is, we have to come to base facts that the, when we have inflation in high single digits, the idea that we're, and we have this giant balance sheet that we still have to unwind, the idea that we're gonna be able to do that without an economic impact seems pretty far-fetched. So I, I appreciate the realism that's coming in there, but if I look to the 1970s, or the double dip in, in 1980, I think it's more important to squash the inflation. It has more important implications long-term than you know a normal cycle and recession. I mean, we're due for one. That makes sense. Yep, very, very quickly, fortune favors the liquid. Does QT mean there's not much liquid, liquidity out there? Very, very quickly, 10 seconds. There, I think there's still plenty of liquidity, and I think for most investors, there's a great time to sell your lower quality and buy higher quality. Julie, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Uh, Julie Beal, their portfolio manager and senior research analyst at the Kane Anderson Rudnick. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com.